All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' NFL audio venture that guarantees you 30 minutes of NFL content every weekday, Monday through Friday. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. It is Wednesday. I hope you're having a fantastic morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. Great show today. We're going to talk about the Detroit Lions I think kind of a sleeper team in the, uh, the NFC North. Nobody's talking about them. Uh, Tori Petrie of DetroitLions.com is going to join us. She's a fantastic follow on Twitter at sports, at sports Tori. So it's sports and then T-O-R-I. Um, excellent reporter for the, for the teams, for the official team site. Does great work there. And then as we mentioned, of course, coming up the rest of this week, Aaron Nagler of PackersNews.com and Dan Katz of Barstool Sports, who are going to talk about the Packers and Bears, respectively. Keep it churning. We're trying to find people, interesting people to talk about the various teams in each, you know, involving the NFL. So again, as requested, and thank you to anyone who tweets me with them, you, if you got somebody you want to hear talk about a particular team, and we're doing the NFC South next week, so that's the Panthers, Buccaneers, Falcons, and Saints. You can uh, tweet me, at Will Brinson. You can also hit up the podcast, at Pick6Pod. You should be following it there. And if you're so inclined and you like this show and you like it daily, rate and review that sucker, man. Uh, it's been, I mean, I don't want to sound desperate. I mean, actually, I don't care. I'll sound desperate. Um, it's been a couple of days since somebody written something nice about me on iTunes, and um, I'm a sad, lonely human. So if you could, you could find it in your heart to go in there and write something nice, it'd be great. Uh, but seriously, if, if you like the show, Rate, review, and tell a friend because if so, if more the more people that subscribe as we keep moving through the off season, the easier it is to to tell the the boss people that hey, this is a good product. They should keep investing the manpower to make it even better. I am under the impression, not that this is that big a deal, but that we'll get some some new theme music too, which is which is always exciting. I mean, who doesn't like music? I maybe a little uh, maybe a little something that's kind of funky. I don't know. We'll see. If you uh, if you got any if you got, if you got an idea for music, by all means, hit me up. Um, but that seems like a kind of a stretch. Let's get to some news and then we'll hit up, uh, Tori Petri on the Lions. First of all, the big news out of the NFL. Mark Ingram suspended four games for violating the league's PED policy. Ingram, of course, is the Saints running back who was part of the duo with Alvin Kamara. You know, they didn't really have a nickname last year, but they really emerged as dominant player, you know, two dominant players, uh, for the Saints behind a great offensive line that helped really pave the way to New Orleans, winning that division title and, and then making a run of the Super Bowl before being daggered by the Minnesota Vikings. Ingram had by far the best year of his career last year, 230 carries, 1,125 four yards and 12 touchdowns. He was a stud, 70 over 70 yards rushing. It was his second, only his second season, um, over a thousand, over a thousand yards. Yeah. The, the first coming in 2016 made the Pro Bowl along with Alvin Kamara. And it's interesting because the Saints drafted him in 2011 and that, in that great draft that involved Cam Newton and Von Miller and, and uh, Julio Jones and AJ Green, all these guys, they traded back into the first round and got him and they've kept him around but now he's set to be a free agent after this year. And apparently per a report from Ian Rappaport of NFL network, Ingram wants a new contract and that's not great timing. That's not, that's not great, Bob. Uh, 
Ingram, according to Rappaport, may also be on the trading block for the Saints. Also not great timing because if you're suspended for four games for, for a PED thing and you want a new contract, it's sort of hard to trade you. That's the whole thing makes it interesting. Um, it's, Look, they're not going to pay him any money. That's that's just the bottom line. They're not going to give Mark Ingram any money while he's suspended heading into the season. He's going to miss the first four games. He can contribute in in everything in the off season. He can play in the preseason. And then once the once the, once the year starts, he's out the first four games. He can be back the Monday after their last game, unless unless they play on Monday in that, that fourth week. I haven't looked that up. I'll be honest. Um, they do play the Buccaneers in Week One. The Browns in week two, the Falcons in week three, and then the Giants in week four. It's not on a Monday. It's a 425 game. Those three, those are four very winnable games at the Falcons is the really tough one there. They should beat the Buccaneers at home, should beat the Browns at home, and should go into New York and win. Not a guarantee, of course, but missing Ingram is going to be interesting because it now asks Alvin Kamara to basically go out there and carry the load. And I, I mean, look, Alvin Kamara is a tremendous player. He's explosive. Um, He's the offensive, reigning offensive rookie of the year, but he only had 120 carries last year. And while he did average a league leading 6.1 yards per carry and score eight touchdowns and look like he can be a bell cow back, I don't think that Sean Payton and Drew Brees want Alvin Kamara running the ball 30 times in the first four weeks of the season. That's not an ideal setup for them. So maybe look at Boston Scott, a six round pick in this draft who, you know, you're talking about a rookie at Louisiana Tech, local guy, Daniel Lasco, Jonathan Williams, those are in Trey Edmonds. I mean, those are the other guys who are running backs on that team. It's, it's, they're not loaded with a ton of running backs out past Ingram and Kamara. So it's going to be interesting to see how they divvy that up. Certainly a big blow for the Saints. Certainly a dagger to Mark Ingram because he wanted to get paid and now he is not likely to get paid. Um, do you care about what Tom Brady wore to the Met Gala? I don't, I don't, I don't really care. It is, it is amusing that, um, he looked like a skinny Steven Seagal or, uh, or as, as Mina Kimes pointed out on Twitter as like somebody who is asking the audience to suspend disbelief and, 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 and buy into magic for the entire evening. I mean, he looked like a, like a C-list magician. Arrested, the arrested, the Bluth quotes Twitter account tweeted out a, a picture of, uh, Job Bluth holding a bunch of cards and he, he looked just like Brady. So that's, it's pretty spot on by Mina there. It's a, it's just, it's not great. I mean, look, if you, if you have to, if that's how you, if that's what you have to wear and you have to skip the Kentucky Derby to get two more years of football, good for you, Tom. Thanks for giving it all to us. I'm sorry that you had to take that L. Kurt Warner, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Kurt Warner said he wanted to come back and play in 2018 and was talking to a team and a coach. Here's the quote uh, via Yahoo Sports. I was actually ready to for this coming season. I actually talked to a coach and my wife said, go for it. I think it would be great, Warner said. So I actually talked to a coach about possibly doing it if they needed someone, but then they went out and signed somebody. So I don't think they thought I was serious. So I think we're completely done now. Can you imagine the Internet's reaction if a team signed Kurt Warner before they signed Colin Kaepernick, holy hell, it would be incredible. I almost want Kurt Warner, who I believe last I checked is 74 years old, not just 46, 46 years old, to come back and try to play a game of football. Um, it would be, it would, it would go very, very poorly and he's not going to do it. 
That's not, that's not, uh, that's not pretended. Here's what Warner said, by the way. I don't know if I would ever really do it because it's easy to sit up here and go, I feel great. I can throw it in my backyard. I can still play in the NFL. I have too much respect for the game, those guys, but there have been moments where I was like, I feel so good and look at the state of quarterback sometimes in the league and say, I could just do it better than, if, better than them if I can get back up to form and spend some time. I'm just hoping that one team at some point gives me another seven on seven. Just give me 20 plays and let me see if I can do it. Dude, he's five years older than Tom Brady. He's, Maybe more. I mean, it's not happening, Kurt. Let the pipe dream die. It's, it's, it's really an incredible story. Um, Johnny Menzel hospitalized in Texas over the weekend, uh, after he was down there at a music festival. That's doesn't relate to the hospitalization. We don't believe that that would be good. Uh, and Menzel was in college station. He played in a golf tournament, a charity tournament that was put on by a former Former Aggies teammate and current Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans. He was taken to a, the hospital in Humble, Texas, of all places. And according to one of his reps, Denise Michaels, it seems like he had a reaction to an adjustment in his prescription. He's fine and headed home. Michaels told TMZ. And then J- Johnny Manziel later wrote on Instagram, "Thank, you, thank you everyone for your concern and kind messages. Unfortunately, I had a reaction to an increased dosage for lithium, which I take for bipolar disorder. It was a scary moment. I'm especially grateful for the staff at the hospital and all they've." done in the last 24 hours so apparently good news on that on the man's out front certainly don't like mean, this a young man who's trying to get his life together trying to stay sober trying to battle mental illness and trying to get onto the field so he can play in the nfl again you might not like johnny manzel for whatever reason but but it'd be a cool story to see him get back so hopefully he is able to do that and hopefully this is nothing more than an accidental bump in the road and that he is doing fine dolphins owner steven ross Talked to Ben, or no, he didn't talk to, reported by Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, um, that there's some drama in Miami. And when they're on the clock, the, uh, the Dolphins are on the, on the clock for the 11th pick and everybody's on board and they're like, all right, let's get Minka Fitzpatrick. This is easy. Rosen, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen off the board. And Ross ended up, this is from John Breach's write up on CBSSports.com, but Ross ended up throwing a wrench into things when he quote, stepped in and implored his team to trade back according to the globe. Owners don't step in and implore people to do anything. They step in and say, do this or else. It appears that's not the case. Mike Tannenbaum able to overrule him. You just got to wonder, you got to think that Ross is sitting there thinking we're going to get another quarterback, right? I mean, what else are you trading back for? It didn't, it doesn't make any sense. And so from that perspective, you all, you wonder, did he think they should get another quarterback? Is he unhappy with Ryan Tannehill? Um, does he, does he buy into what Mike Tannebaum is doing? Does he think Adam Gase is, is doing a good job? The, he wanted it. According to the Globe, Ben Volden has been on this, this podcast before, a good friend of mine. Ross wanted to trade back so the team could get more picks and so that they could save some money. That's not good. Um, Ross spoke to the Miami Herald in an email and he said, yes, that is correct. He said, correct. He did want them to trade back. He did want them to get more picks. And this is to Armando, Armando Salguero. And he also said, saving money will never be an issue when it comes to winning. It, it's a weird, look, they're in cap hell. They're paying Adamakan Sue a ton of money. He's out of the, you know, he's not even on the team this year. It's just a disaster for, for this team though, because you're already in a bad spot. You already have, you're already in purgatory. You, you're trying to change the culture. And then you have this owner 
trying to get it, trying to go away from the player you really wanted, this rookie who Chris Greer, the GM described as a, like a Swiss army knife. It, it's just, it, the whole thing is just bad because it means that now Adam Gase is under the microscope. There's more pressure on the Dolphins. There's more pressure on the front office. There's more pressure on everybody. And you could see the entire situation getting ugly. What you want is something like the Lions have with the cohesion between Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn in the front office. So joining us now, as promised, from DetroitLions.com, Tori Petrie. What's going on, Tori? Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, long time, uh, long time no talk. Glad to have you on. This is a cool, I, th- I think the Lions are an, uh, interesting team this offseason because a lot is being, a lot of attention is being paid to the Vikings because they signed Kirk Cousins and the Bears, yeah. the Bears are doing this whole thing where they're like the two, they're trying to be the 2007, the 2018 version of the Rams. And of course the Packers are uh, firing all of Aaron Rodgers' old friends and the Lions are just kind of plugging along and nobody's paying them attention, but they signed, they, they brought in uh, Matt Patricia and I started to look at the depth chart and, and I sort of, I sort of like what the Lions did this offseason and I really kind of liked their draft. What did you think about what they did in the draft? Yeah, I mean, it's been a really big offseason for the Lions, but it's been a big offseason all around the NFC North. Uh, so you're right in that some of it gets kind of lost in all of that. Uh, but I think it was a huge move to bring in Matt Patricia. Uh, the synergy between Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia is so evident, and I think that that's going to be a big part of of what happens here uh, this year and, and in the coming years. But uh, the draft uh, went well. I felt like they really doubled down on wanting to fix the run game, which was a problem for them uh, in recent years. So they got an offensive lineman in the first round. They got a running back in the second round. They got another offensive lineman later on. So they really have addressed that run game. They've said it was important to them uh, and they've invested the resources into it. And, uh, you know, we're still kind of waiting to see what happens with that defensive line. That was an area that we thought that they might address a little bit more strongly. Uh, but, you know, we don't really know what that defensive line looks like yet because Matt Patricia's defense is going to be so much different uh, than what was run here before. So, uh, that's kind of a work in progress. All right. So how does Frank Ragnall fit in the, the key, the, really the thing that stood out about all these interior offensive linemen from this draft, whether it's Billy Price, James Daniels, Frank Ragnall, is that a lot of them are really versatile. And it seems like teams were going after these guys who could move around and play center, play guard. Um, and I think I heard Bob Quinn saying that, that Ragnall played tackle at Arkansas practice. So how does, how does he fit in, uh, in terms of where he slots on the, on the Lions offensive line in 2018? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be an interior offensive lineman for the Lions. Um, but, you know, we don't really know whether he'll be playing left guard or center yet. Uh, Graham Glasgow is kind of that other piece that can play both of those positions too. So it's kind of probably going to be between those two guys of, uh, who ends up playing where, but, you know, left tackle is pretty much locked down by Taylor Decker. Right guard is, uh, TJ Lang. Right tackle is Rick Wagner. So those positions are pretty much locked down. It's really the left guard and the center position, um, that are up in the air. And it's probably going to come down to Graham Glasgow and, of course, uh, Frank Ragnow. But both of them are capable of playing both spots. And, uh, Bob Quinn has really not specified which one he prefers which player to play at. He just says it's going to be a competition and we'll kind of see how it plays out. Uh, you mentioned the Lions rushing attack. It has not been good in, I mean, we're not going to, 
you know, sugarcoat it. It's been bad. No. You know, <laughs> yeah. Football Outsiders had him ranked 25th in 2016 and then 30th in 2017. And, and while it sort of resulted in, like, I think the offense has been good as a whole because Jim Bob Cooter has been able to design this short passing game that, that caters to the skill set of Golden Tate and, and, um, and of course Matthew Stafford is an, is an excellent quarterback. Marvin Jones has made some nice contested catches down the field as well. And they can, they can make plays with the ball in their hand, but you get the sense, like you just said, based on this draft from Bob Quinn and, and Matt Patricia, that they really would like to be, uh, I mean, I guess more balanced and, 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 and more dominant in the run. So how does the running game shake out, uh, this year? Is, is Carrion Johnson the guy? Is LeGarrette Blunt a short yardage hammer? Is he, you know, how, how do you think that plays out in Detroit with the run game? Yeah, I think it'll be still a sort of running back by committee type situation. And I don't necessarily think that they will have one number one guy. Now, that could change uh, depending on what Carrion Johnson is able to come in here and do. But each of their running backs kind of has their own unique running style. Uh, there's really um, no no one way that they plan to run the ball. At least that's how it appears, you know. Like you said, LeGarrette Blunt, a short yardage, uh, power downhill runner. Uh, on Johnson was kind of that between the tackles runner at Auburn, but Bob Quinn said when he came in here that they see him going outside some as well. Um, and not just between the tackles. So that was something it, that he specified about Carrion Johnson. And then, of course, you have Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah, who are great pass catchers out of the backfield, kind of shifty, can make guys miss in the open field on the second level. Uh, so, you know, each one of them has a, a different talent. So I think what we'll kind of start to see is, uh, you know, having a couple of them out there at the same time. You don't really know which uh, kind of to try and confuse defense. You don't know which running style they're going to go with uh, on that play. And, and we'll kind of, uh, you know, see how it all shakes out and who ends up with the most yards at the end of the season. But I think it'll be a little bit distributed between those guys. This, the more we talk about it, the more I am getting a familiar sense of a running back group that this is just the, it's like the, it's exactly like the Patriots. Again. I mean, like, <laughs> go figure. Right? No, but you mean you had these, you know, they invested high, a high pick and carry on Johnson. I mean, the second round pick in him. I, I, I loved him at Auburn. Um, but then, you know, Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah are guys who are better really and I think carry on is, is good at it as well, but guys who are better at catching the ball, they can, they can do multiple things like a, like a modern day back. And then you have Blunt who was in, you know, was in New England for a long time and had his best years aside from last season. So maybe, hmm, maybe this is a, uh, and then Dwayne Washington and Zach Zinner are there too. Maybe this is a situation where it's, it's just, uh, uh, like, in other words, like, don't bother planning to start any of these guys right. in your fantasy yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, no, at. no, I wouldn't advise that until we see what this offense uh, looks like uh, after a few weeks, because I, I can't really point out one guy is going to get the bulk of the carries yet, because we just really don't know. Do you think? Do you think this is? Do you think they have a certain schematic approach to how they want to run in terms of getting these offensive linemen? And I mean, like, I don't think it's going to be. I doubt it's a zone running scheme. Is it just sort of a a a multiple, like depending on what our offense is running type of situation? I mean, I think any type of running the ball, uh, any type of success running the ball is going to be satisfactory <laughs> because it has been lacking for so long here. I mean, you haven't had a 100-yard rusher since Thanksgiving of 2013. We've all heard that statistic. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've been pretty lock and key about what exactly Matt Patricia's scheme will be like, and we haven't had any open practices yet to kind of watch that and see how it unfolds. So it's got to kind of 
kind of going to be a work in progress uh, of, of interpreting what exactly that looks like. But really, any any type of success in the run <laughs> game uh, would be a step up. All right. What about from a defensive standpoint? What I mean, I would assume that the word multiple is going to get thrown around here. But I've heard that word a couple of times. <laughs> well, I mean, but it is true. Like Patricia, you know, I mean, he ran the defenses, you know, with with the blessing of Bill Belichick, of course, in New England, and he comes over from there. Do you think? Do you think that he is going to try and set up a defense a certain way, or is he going to approach it on a week to week matchup basis? It, he's made it clear it's going to be a week-to-week matchup basis. Uh, so that's kind of his style. That's what he's done for years, and he plans to do the same thing when he comes over here uh, to Detroit. Now, it appears that he's really uh, – targeting defensive linemen uh that that you know are not that um downhill attack the quarterback uh style of play that they were playing before um and and kind of getting those those versatile guys that he can move around and play with that are big strong um and and that's kind of seems to be the style that he's shifting to a bit now he's been adamant that it's not going to be a 3-4 it's not going to be a 4-3 there is no base defense really it's just going to be a week to week basis so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that part of things uh, unfolds as well because i think he can get creative also with the linebacking core and and with the group of dbs that he has cuz he has a very deep group of defensive backs um some guys who can play inside outside um some guys who are kind of hybrid safety linebackers and so you know, we'll, we'll see what that ends up looking like, but that's probably what I'm most excited about, uh, for week one to kind of see how all of this, uh, ends up playing out after so much mystery almost in the off season. Uh, is Bob Quinn aware that he can draft people from somewhere other than the SEC? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. He was asked about that. I mean, I'm, I have no complaints about the SEC sure. bias. <laughs> Suppose it SEC bias. I'm a SEC. Cause you're a, Flo- uh, you're a Florida grad, right? I'm a Florida grad. Yeah. So I'm a SEC girl myself so uh when bob quinn said that that's the style that's most close to the nfl level i was like all right bob i'm with you uh but you know he he really has uh drafted a lot of players from the sec but you look back a couple years ago his first two picks were big 10 guys and taylor decker and graham glasgow um but this past year uh was definitely an sec heavy draft yeah, because they went, of, of course, they had Kerryon Johnson, that second round pick, Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas, and then Deshaun Hand, uh, the fourth round pick was Tracy, is Tracy Walker? I don't, I don't, is Tracy Walker? Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette. There we so go, small school. Not quite so, SEC. <laughs> and then they grabbed a fullback, Nick Balden, uh, out of San Diego State. The, the Deshaun Hand thing is interesting to me because I think if you look at, it, it just depends on how you, you kind of have to reconstruct the depth chart in your mind based on what Matt Patricia wants to do. But I think if you look at, I mean, this is my take on it. It appears that what he would like to have is some, for lack of a better phrase, hog molly, big boys who line <laughs> up on the defensive line. Yeah. And try and occupy as many blockers as possible and then maybe let these linebackers shoot in the gaps. Do you think, is, is that sort of the, maybe the buzz around, around the lines about what he wants to do? Yeah, I would agree. I think that that's kind of the direction that it appears to be heading based on Matt Patricia's prior coaching style and based on the type of guys that he's bringing in here. Uh, like I said, we haven't exactly seen it in action yet, but that, I would say that that's a, a fair call as to what direction that this is going. And based on some of the players that they've parted ways with as well, um, you know, they traded Akeem Spence to the Dolphins for a future draft pick. He was kind of that, that type of player that fit in the old defense, uh, that was just get after the quarterback and, and that was it. So it, it does kind of signal maybe a, a 
changing of the guard there on the defensive line. Man, a far cry from the days of, uh, of Cliff Averill and Adamican Sue on that, on that defensive line, <laughs> that, that pure 4-3 that, that you saw, uh, Jimmy Schwartz running there. And Gerard Davis too. I think, I think, you know, he had a, he was Florida guy, you know, but he had a, he had a nice year last year. But if in, in that sort of scheme, he's the type of guy who could end up piling like 130 tackles up just because he's able to, he's, he's going to be the first guy who sees that running back. And if he identifies it and he can, he can move quickly to the ball, you could see him piling up tackles, right? Oh yeah, and they really like Jared Davis. They've made that clear that they really uh wanted to to build from the ball out and he was one of the core pieces of their defense that they were building around uh this year. Both Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia said that uh, at the combine and you know, they felt like he had a really great rookie season, uh, especially towards the end once he started to really get into the flow of things. He struggled a little bit in coverage there in the middle of the season, but they kind of took some of those responsibilities away from him. Uh, so he had less to focus on. And once he had less to focus on, he really started to excel. Um, and I'm sure that those are some areas that he's starting to work on, uh, this off season is improving in coverage and, and all like that. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in his second year, but I think they feel like they've got a really good player in him. Golden Tate has been the focal point of this offense since he came. How has it been four years since he signed a free agent? <laughs> it's depressingly old here. Um, averaged 93 catches, 1,056 yards, and five touchdowns in his four seasons with the Lions since signing as a unrestricted free agent from Seattle. Only, only once has he been under a thousand yards. And he's just been, I mean, he, He's just been an, he's maybe the most underrated. He's only made one Pro Bowl. He's might be the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Just incredibly consistent. But he is going to the last year of his contract. Yeah. Is that something you anticipate the, the, the team will take care of this offseason? They, do they view him as a long-term piece? Yeah, I, I think that they'll, they'll work on, uh, that contract this offseason and kind of see where it goes. In the past, what we've kind of seen from them in those situations with contract extensions is they usually kind of happen near the end of training camp, uh, you know, sometime during that part of the year. So if they're going to get something done with Golden before the season starts, I wouldn't expect it until then. They haven't typically in the past gotten deals like that done early on in the summer. Uh, you know, even Stafford's deal happened uh, later on there. So I think that if that happens, it'll be later on uh, this summer, just before the season uh, begins. Um, but I, if I know Golden, I know that that's something that he wants to get done uh, pretty quickly. So we'll see. We'll see what ha- ends up happening with that one. I think that he really is a big part of this offense, though. Yeah, he and uh, and Marvin Jones, of course, having good years, and then Kenny Galladay, a rookie last year, who flashed at times, but but never really completely put it together. How much of an impact do you think Galladay can have in 2018 on this offense? I mean, they've got a really good receiving core. You've got Golden Tate. You've got Marvin Jones Jr., who just had an incredible year last year. So many just uh, awe-inspiring deep catches uh, from him. This connection between Stafford and and Marvin was beautiful last year. So uh, I'm sure that they're trying to develop on that uh, this year as well. But Kenny was a key player in that offense uh, last year as well, even being a rookie. So I would expect that to do nothing but grow. Uh, as he continues to develop his skills. Uh, but I think they've got a very strong receiving core in those three guys, uh, you know, between Golden Tate's shiftiness and his ability to get yards after the catch, uh, Marvin's ability to just finesse catches and, you know, catch balls down the sideline and, and go up uh, above guys. Uh, and then Kenny is a, is a great deep threat as well. He's just got the size that you want uh, uh, in, in that kind of player. And so they've taken advantage of that in, in many situations. 
situations. And Kenny's gotten some key plays for this team uh, in terms of getting first down a couple of touchdowns in his first few games uh, with the Lions. So I think he'll continue to be a big player in this offense. Hard to get a breakout before the third year in the modern NFL. Maybe Kenny Galladay. <laughs> it, it just is. Whatever reason, these guys, these wide receivers. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to be a wide receiver in the NFL, it turns out. Uh, when you look at the Lions, and you're, you're with a team site, so I'm gonna phrase this, uh, I'm gonna phrase this <laughs> in, a, in a, in a different way. Uh, let's pretend that I said, do, do you think they'll win, can they win more than eight games? And they won, I think nine, they won nine last year, right? And, and still, it's still flipped coaches. Um, in Matt Patricia's first year, do you think eight is a fair number to shoot for or should they be shooting higher? And what do you think the ceiling is for this Lions team? I mean, I definitely think that they're shooting higher because the reason why they made the change in head coaches is because they felt like they were on the brink of finally getting to some, some success in the postseason, and that's why they made the change. So I feel like if it takes them a while to get back to that level of success, then that defeats the purpose of having that coaching change. So I, I think that they're shooting pretty high. I think they have very high expectations. Uh, they loved what Caldwell did for this team. He really turned things around uh, when he came here. He made making the playoffs in Detroit an expectation, which really that wasn't the way that it was before he was here. Then it became an expectation, and now the expectation has grown to now you've got to win a playoff game. And I think that that's the standard. Um, and, I, and I think beyond that, their goal is to win the division, which looks like it's going to be very tough this season with what Minnesota is bringing to the table, uh, you know, as well as as the Packers getting Aaron Rodgers back. And then, you know, the Bears are, are growing as well with a new head coach over there and, and a developing quarterback. So it's going to be a tough division this year, but – uh, I think that they've got really high hopes for what this coach can do for them. So if it's less than eight wins, I would say that it would not be a successful first season for <laughs> Matt Patricia. That's fair. I, when I look at this schedule, the the stretch that pops out to me is just December on in because you, you get the Rams at home December 2nd in week 13. Then you have two games on the road against winnable opponents, but, but road games are just hard in the NFL to win at the yeah. Cardinals and at the Bills in back to back weeks. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, you're popping out West and then you're popping to the East Coast and then you're back in Detroit to play the Vikings who are going to be good two days before Christmas. And then you close at the Packers. And that's a, that's a pretty tough five game stretch. You get two good opponents. Um, and then before that, they had to play the Bears twice, uh, including once on Thanksgiving on the CBS game, I believe. Panthers, I mean, it, having to, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's just, it's not, a, it's a, even the opening stretch, you get the Jets for the first week, but then you're at the 49ers, Patriots, at the Cowboys, and then the Packers at home before week six by. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not an easy schedule, right? No, by no means is it an easy schedule, you know, especially that beginning stretch that you mentioned. I mean, having the Patriots uh, so early in the season, that's going to be a big game, obviously, because it's Matt Patricia facing his former team. There's a lot of former Patriots that are over here in Allen Park now. Um, so it'll be an interesting game for sure. But that's always a tough opponent. And, and to have that there at the very beginning of the season, as well as uh, the 49ers and, and the Cowboys, you know, it's going to be a tough start and, and it's a tough finish as well. So um, the schedule doesn't exactly do them any favors, but of course at this time of year, it's hard to predict, exactly, uh, you know, what, what a schedule, um, you know, looks like a lot of teams last year saw the Eagles on their schedule and wouldn't have counted that one as a, a tough game to win. Um, but of course we know what happened with that. So, you know, it, it's hard to predict exactly a strength of schedule in May, uh, but you know, it, 
it'll it'll be interesting to see how things go, but I know that there's high expectations. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. If you had to run a forty right now, what would you? <laughs> I don't know if, if people didn't see it. Uh, Tori ran the. Was it? Was it at the combine? Was it at? The, it was. It, it was, was it, last year. Yeah, you uh, you torched it though, right? You ran like a you ran like a four or five or something like that. I mean, oh, no, 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 not that fast. Uh, it was under six seconds, but it was in heels. In so heels. That was, that was the, the what, thing. There, was so. the thing? Were you more concerned about the time of it, or were you more concerned about the danger of the the bal- balancing while running in heels? Because I mean, that's not that is a potential ankle breaker. <laughs> I really wasn't even thinking about the shoes. I w- we were just goofing around, uh, filming a little promo for the Lions website, like, "Hey, watch our combine coverage." And uh, they asked me to go around the forty. I was like, "Sure, why not?" And being a competitive person, I wasn't gonna, you know give a half effort i was like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna run as hard <laughs> as i can so uh you know we went out there and ran it ended up being under six seconds and thought nothing of it um but then uh it went, vi- it went viral onto yeah. it and thought it was pretty interesting you're so, like you're like listen i wasn't trying to go viral for a 40 time but <laughs> but i'll take it uh tori petrie the detroit lions.com at sports tori on twitter thanks so much for taking the time really appreciate it and uh looking forward to seeing what the lions do this season thank you for having me